Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz, and this is episode 22 of the 2021 podcast series, taking a look at the draft eligible prospects and getting you ready for the NFL draft. It's hard to believe only eight weeks away, April 29th, which leads us into a new segment for the 2021 podcast series. And I want to get the fans' perspective on things. That's right. I'm going to sit down with the fans and talk about your favorite college and pro teams. Take a look at the players from the collegiate level. Where do we see them stacking up You know, as it comes to the draft? What are the best fits? You know, What are their strengths and weaknesses? See if we agree or disagree with their, their draft stock and where they should be coming off the board. And then we're also going to dive into your NFL teams. And get a good feel for what their draft needs are. What should they be doing in free agency? And really, come draft day, what should we be expecting to see from your NFL franchises? We're also going to take a look at my mock draft. Kind of break down those picks. See if we disagree or if we agree with exactly where those land. So without further ado, here's our first episode from a fan's perspective. So from a fan's perspective, today we have Brett Peters. A huge Oklahoma State fan, all things Big 12, a hater of the Big 10 Conference, and uh, a big Houston Texans fan, so we'll be able to talk a little bit more about the dumpster fire that is uh, the Houston Texans right now. Uh, but th- welcome aboard, Brett. Um, you know, let's, let's go ahead and start jumping into things. Hey, hey well, thanks for having me, Greg. Uh, just to let you know, I'm a, a big hater of the uh, Big Ten West. Now, I, I, I absolutely cannot stand that side of the uh, of the conference. Like, do you remember when the Big 12 used to have the North and South? Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, back in the day. And then we obviously lost a few teams, uh, you know. But, you know, and that's that's the problem with these these sides of the conferences that I'm not a fan of because there's not a lot of, you know, intermingling, you know, and I know some, you know, you have, it just works out for the big 12 that they can play everybody. But I feel like I'm not a big fan of having to play, you know, I know there's rivalries and things and, you know, but anymore, I'm not a huge fan of having to play the same side or the same teams over and over and over again when there's other teams in the conference that would make make for more of a more games more especially in the big 10 you know more games that would be uh interesting to watch for the fans you know like uh like wisconsin versus uh penn state or wisconsin versus uh you know uh a Michigan or an Ohio state more than just the, the championship game. And, you know, I know they don't, they don't play every year. And I, but the things like that, you know, instead of watching Wisconsin versus Northwestern or Wisconsin versus Indiana every year, you know, mix it up. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't like these West and I'll get off my soapbox, but I know I don't like the, uh, I don't like the West because it's just too, it's too dumpster fireish after Wisconsin to me. I know Northwestern had a good year, but you know, to me it, it's Wisconsin's, year after year and minnesota sneaks in there but it's always wisconsin year after year in my opinion you know except for a you know a, a random here or there you know and, and i guess you look at it you've got ohio state you've got michigan you've got michigan state you've got penn state all in the same division and i think the flip side to it you look at the big 12 and now that they have uh their group and their teams Everyone plays everyone, and I know based on the numbers, it won't ha- you can't do that physically in, in the Big Ten, but, but at least you've got the two best teams at the end duking it out as opposed to Wisconsin versus fill-in-the-blank every single year. 
Absolutely, yeah, and like you know, and I, and even in the Pac-12, you know, I, I I feel like it's more balanced on both sides. Like you know, where you have USC and you know you'll have Arizona State or you know we'll have a, yeah. a Utah. Yeah, Utah, you know, yeah, you know, and then Oregon and Stanford and Washington, even Washington State, you know, like I feel like that's more balanced than what I look at at the Big Ten West or something like that, or even the let's just go crazy into you know, the SEC West, I believe, right? Or is it West Sea West or is it East uh, or is it North? They're they're I think they're the East uh, SEC East, right? With the Florida and the, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. I'm sorry, I don't want to get that mixed up. But SEC East with Florida, Missouri, Kentucky, Georgia. It's always it's Georgia and Florida's to lose. You have Kentucky, Vanderbilt. You know, teams like that. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? Like you don't. It's it's always the same. Like then you go to the other side of the SEC and you have the the big dogs. So well, it's like you know, I was always like, why have that? If you were to look at it from a like the draft perspective as well, you know, when you're talking about the Big Ten conference, where where are all your draft picks coming from? It's coming from your Ohio States and your Michigans and your Penn States, you know, Wisconsin, you know, this year they're they're a little bit younger. They only have a couple of guys that'll probably get drafted. But you know, you're gonna get a couple guys from Minnesota, a couple guys here and there from Purdue, like Rondell Moore, their receiver. Um, you know, and I, I think when you look at you know, even with the SEC, you've got Georgia and Florida, and then really just a couple sprinkled in from all the other. And then you go over to the other side, there's Bama and LSU and all the big dogs over there, like you were saying in the SEC. So, you know, it, it kind of, you even see that from a draft standpoint as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, guaranteed that, you know, the, uh, the, the, the teams that load up every year, you know, Alabama, Georgia's, the Clemson's, all of the Ohio states, they're going to be heavily, heavily favored in the draft year after year. I mean, I'll even throw, you know, the reloading teams like, you know, Big 12, like Oklahoma in there and, you know, and, but, but you'll, you'll have the, you'll have those specific teams that every year are just going to reload and those, that's what a lot of teams are going to draft. But to me, that's the thing is like uh, some of those teams, like, you know, you can't really, you, and that hurts them in the NFL because you don't, I want to see a Wisconsin offensive line versus, you know, that's a prim- primarily their big draft, you know, heavy and offensive linemen is there. I want to see them guard a chase young or, you know, or uh, somebody that comes from the, you know, uh, Ohio state defensive line or, you know, or somebody like that, that, you know, or let's go, you know, the I'll say from Texas coming off the defensive end for, you know, you know, I want to see either those guys play the big boys and I want to see, you know, those guys play in big games and, and play against the NFL caliber talent. A lot of times three fourths of their games, you, you just, it's hard for an organization to, to really, get a grasp because you know when wisconsin's playing a bad bowl game they have a couple bad losses and they're playing a bad bowl game and you don't really get a full body of work they're not in the championship game you know uh, you know or you you know some teams like you so you're playing like i don't know how many big time games wisconsin play but i would maybe one two maybe and uh you know so you don't you don't have an idea like when you're going into you know even like florida you know like when you see like trask you know or somebody like on the quarterback position or, you know, you're, that's a, you know, somebody that could find themselves in the NFL at some point. And I mean, which rounds up for grabs, but I mean, obviously he was hyped up. I mean, he doesn't get a full body of work. Like, you know, uh, you know, the the Alabama's or the LSU's or, you know, you know, uh, 
and forgive me, it escapes me. The uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> I, I don't I shouldn't the, the Alabama quarterback, but uh, yeah, Mac Jones. Yep, and I, I mean, so he but he gets to showcase every week against the top defenses, and then uh, you know, so it's people like that that you know uh, can really up their draft status you know, against good teams. And then one bad game, I, you know, that I, if Mac Jones even had a, you know, kind of a decent off game, like he, you know, it's, it doesn't hurt him as bad as when somebody has their one showdown game and that, and you have a bad game, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Because a lot of times that's what happens is they're going to point to like Kyle Trask against Oklahoma. You saw in the bowl game, he throws three interceptions, um, you know, just right there, you know, in basically almost in a row, and he was exposed with his arm strength and, and a lot of other things there. And that's what people are going to come back to, you know, forget the fact that he threw for over 4,200 yards against these other programs. He went against, you know, a, an OU defense that was peaking at the right time. Ronnie Perkins changed that whole defense around uh, when he came in from, from the suspension and suddenly Kyle Trask, that's, that's the last thing you're going to remember is Kyle Trask doing that. And how many big ga- big time games did Kyle Trask really have and I know everyone's going to say it's the SEC, but how many games did he really have to showcase exactly what he could do against elite talent? You know, you can't tell me that, you know, the, the 11 that Kentucky rolls out every single week is elite talent that he'd be facing at the end, at the next level. Oh, you, you know, you, you, you went up against a, you know, a, a top caliber defense on the, on the last half of, you know, what second half of the season. Oh, you was elite, you know, in my opinion, in terms of how they were playing down the stretch. And, you know, you saw, exactly what happens you know to Kyle Trask when he gets into you know under pressure versus a Mac Jones he had to be on top of his game going against you know talent each and every week in his division because if he didn't you know they'd, they'd be in trouble yeah uh, yeah like I mean like it, it, and it's not like uh you know you you hear the you hear the things from the you know, the perspective uh, on the OU Florida game, you know, where, you know, you have the initial hype up from the Florida Gators talking about that they're going to come in and dominate their SEC. And then, you know, it, 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 you it, you have a Kyle Trask that I think he had, if I memory serves me correctly, Greg, he had like a 25 quarterback rating. I think he was like, oh, he had three picks. And you have Spencer Rattler, a freshman, Right, coming in and just absolutely uh, throwing, dominating with uh, three touchdowns, and uh, it didn't have, to, it didn't even have to throw the ball that much, you know. Yeah. And uh, and and you know, you're 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 here in Florida, blame that the receivers, and I I get that makes, you know, that makes a a difference. So I, I give credit to that, but you know, at the end of the day, you're you can't tell me Florida does not have a ton of decent receivers that you know where you can throw the ball to and at least get garbage time i mean they had to win i don't even know when did they take kyle trask out was it the whole fourth quarter but uh put somebody else in i don't know if they put emory jones in i think that's who it was, was. and then they, yeah yeah and they put him in and i mean trask yeah he definitely didn't showcase himself and he made a freshman you know who let's just be honest i mean was playing his best football the whole ou team playing their best football at the end of the year you know, if if it wasn't for a few slip ups, you know, in the beginning of the season, you know, especially the Iowa State game, you know, where things went didn't go their way, OU is looking as has a good chance at the playoffs. So it's uh, 
Yeah, and, and OU has a lot to play for. You know, there there's pride on the line. They're tired of hearing about the SEC, and you know they they haven't done well. And and that, that's what killed them is their first round of the playoffs in the last few years. And you know, so it's it, it was good for OU, and I think OU's already back on their their radar. Probably be a heavy favorite next year. Um, but you know, obviously they lose. I think one of the you know best offensive uh, linemen you know, that they've had in some recent memory and he'll be an early round pick. There's no question you know, about Creed? it. Yeah. Creed Humphrey. And, you know, it's hard to replace six, five, three forty or three thirty. I don't know what he, maybe it's around there, but, uh, you know, but if any team could do it, Oh, you will. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing that I think is, is crazy about Creed Humphrey was, you know, this was a guy as a freshman was on the, the top of line in the country. That's where they had Orlando Brown, they had Cody Ford, Ben Powers, Drew Samee. All those guys got drafted and were you know, playing in the league now. And so then as a sophomore, he now has to flip the script. And now I'm the veteran on this line. And yet again, they have, you know, they, they produce uh, with, you know, Jalen Hurts. And it was one of those things, you know, I look at it and, okay, you were, you're there as the center and a redshirt freshman, then you take over for, for Jalen Hurts and you're teaching this other group. I mean, come on, this guy should be a plug and play center. Uh, you know, probably starting right. I've got him going to the Steelers in round two now that Marquise Pouncey's retired. And I think they can plug him in and he can play for a decade. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're, I, what's he probably the third or fourth best lineman in the draft. And, you know, I, the Steelers uh, outside of, you know, if they can, I think Roethlisberger, um, didn't he take a cut to, you know, save them some of the so cap money or whatever. And then, you know, so that that's going to be a big help. And, you know, the Steelers are going to be good. You know, it's just a matter of, like you said, protecting Roethlisberger, keeping him healthy. And, and so I like that pick in the second round, um, you know, and, uh, you know, they're already, I think, just a shade below the cap. You know, so they have a little bit of money to 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 work with, you know. Um, but uh, you know, I, I like that pick because uh, you know they still have a lot of weapons. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think J, you know James Conner to produce at a high level. You know, well, and then uh, here's here's the thing with with Conner, he's he's a, a free agent, and so I'm wondering if he's going to be back. I actually have have the Steelers. taking. Uh, you know, you're talking about Alabama. I'm ta- I have him taking Najee Harris. You know, I. I Najee could come off the board, I think, as high as 18 to the Dolphins, but I've got him going off the board, number 24, to the Steelers. Give them a three-down back, a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield, has the power, has the speed. Dude hurdled Nick McLeod there at Notre Dame and uh, you know jumped over that guy and on, on his way down the field. And to, you know he, he can pass protect. That is something that I think they, they really need is that three down back. Connor wasn't much of a threat out of the backfield. They need they need their new a new Le'Veon Bell and I think you know Najee Harris could be that guy. Yeah, as I'm looking at, you know, uh you know, you're wondering when you look at the draft order, you know, you see I think the Steelers sitting around what, twenty four, something like that right now in the uh in the draft. And uh, you know, obviously I don't see I, I see that pretty much being a uh, that pick probably being available then you know um, I'm trying you know you'll probably see some movement you know with 
like like my you know my Texans with Deshaun Watson and even Russell Wilson maybe on the move you know with different teams and you see things like that as a possibility you know so I um, I don't know what the uh, the Steelers might just be sitting pretty you know and you know hoping for the best because they're they're like I said that could I don't see I'm trying to think of a team in the in the head of them that would be uh, that would take him over that uh, at, before that pick so. Maybe, you know, maybe, that, maybe the Jets, Frank Gore, you know, I think is, is close to 40. Uh, so, you know, I, I think Frank Gore's days are, are, are numbered. I think really the Jets in Miami, because Miami right now, they have Miles Gaskin and uh, and Salman Ahmed are their top two running backs right now. So they, they definitely need some help. But, you know, it, it's a good segue going to your, your Texans. What what the what in the world is going on here? I mean, they, 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 they trade, you know, I know that that was a Bill O'Brien deal, but they trade – uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Now this year, JJ Watts now in Arizona, they, they cut their center, Nick Martin, who was arguably their best offensive lineman. Uh, but yet they've got Deshaun Watson. They're holding him hostage right now. Um, what, what do you, what do you make of what's going on with your, from a fan's perspective, what do you make of what's going on with your, with your Texans? It's just a, you know, it's a classic. You, you didn't let your superstar make any decisions. You know, you have Deshaun Watson, who wants to be a part of picking coaches and picking players. And this is a guy that you just extended on a contract. And now you have your whole organization in disarray because you didn't have you didn't get his input on anything. You know, you have, you know, I think, you know, and like you said, you're talking about the Jets. Uh, that's still in probably a play for Watson, too, because he ha- he's a good relationship with the coach there now. And. It, 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 that's what happens. You know, you have it, the whole thing falls apart when your leader falls apart. The whole rest of the, the rest of the, the, the rest of the cards from crumble down because your base is gone. And now you have a whole rebuild. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that Watson will be gone. You know, it, it's just who's going to pay the, the piper, you know, you, you, you're in good position right now with Houston, um, you know, to get some, some good big time draft picks, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy. I, I, I would like to make a deal. It, it hurts the Texans that Russell Wilson's out now to, a little bit to me, you know, instead of being the only fish in the sea, you know, you now have Russell Wilson. That is a possibility. Luckily for Houston, Russell Wilson has, has set teams, you know, but Watson kind of does too. But I, I, at this point, I would love to, you know, I would love to just cut ties and let, Watson make make a deal get the best deal you can uh, and just start over and, and you know try to rebuild the uh, you know the relationship you have with the city and the you know a new quarterback and just go from there it, what's interesting you know the Lions have already Lions and Rams already set the bar with the uh, what's it got you know with Stafford and the trade with Stafford you know two firsts and a third in order to, to bring Stafford through. So now you've got Deshaun Watson, who's considerably younger. He's, what, 25, I think, and, and Stafford is, is in his 30s. And, you know, Watson, yes, he has the you know the ACL tear, but outside of that, he's been pretty healthy. And, you know, I, I think, you know, like you said, you're going to have to pay the piper, pay that King's ransom, and, you know, in order to get a to get your quarterback. I just – I wonder if, you know, how that's all going to play out, Who who's ultimately going to come knocking on the door – and who's ultimately going to be under center because, you know, Houston traded away their first round pick for Laramie Tunsil. Then they traded away their second round pick as well. So now they're sitting there in the third round. You're not going to basically the, your top quarterback that's going to be available is going to be Kyle Trask in round three. And I don't think Houston wants to 
roll the dice with Kyle Trask. So it'll be interesting to see how they play this out. Maybe they they get a you know a, a one year rental on, on a guy like like Andy Dalton or something like that, and then you know and maybe even Sam Darnold for one year. And depending on how things shape up, maybe look at getting the a quarterback in next year's draft. Yeah, uh, to, yeah. To me, it, it is a uh, you know I I like the idea of like a, a Mitchell Trubisky year, and uh, you know and just dumping him at the, at the end of the year. I I you know I because I think the Bears I mean, the Bears seem to have their sights on more on. Russell Wilson, I think, but at this point, but I would, uh, obviously you can't trade him in division. You know, you have, you know, the best case scenario would, would go to the NFC. You know, I, I am a, I am an absolute like, you know, and I don't know if they would ever do this because it's the same state, but I'm an absolute fan of a Dallas Cowboys trade. Like I would love to see, uh, Dak Prescott come to Houston with some picks you know, and just and the, let's take a chance on that, you know, because, you know, uh, I'm not the biggest Dak Prescott fan, but, you know, it to me, Jerry Jones is one of those uh, managers or, you know, you know, or owners, excuse me, that would be a, uh, you know, if you dangle the, the, the third best, fourth best quarterback statistically in the NFL in front of him when his quarterback suffered a horrific knee injury, like, it's it would be hard to, for him to avoid eating that carrot or chasing that carrot. I mean, but what is uh, you know, and I think the Cowboys are they, they they have the ability you know to to make these. I mean, they're well, I think they're well in tune cap space wise. I, I believe, if my understanding is right, I think they have a a decent amount of space, especially with the trades. Um, you know, especially how much they were going to offer you know, and were turned down by, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, and I, I, I think, I think the Texans can, you know, make a, make a play for that, but it wouldn't surprise me if they made some deal with New York jets or Carolina or, or, or somebody along those lines too. But, you know, I, I would like to, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see a Dallas Cowboy trade personally, you know, uh, or I guess, you know, the bears maybe would be my second. I mean, they, they, they've also restructured the, you know, David Johnson's contract, um, you know, so, you know, he'll be back, but then you've got, you know, Will Fuller, your receiver, you know, he's, he's a free agent. Do you bring him back? Uh, your corners, uh, both uh, Gary on Conley, Vernon Hargraves, they're both free agents. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see who they can bring back. And, and frankly, in the free agency right now, who's going to want to come to Houston. You know, I mean, you've got all of your, your stars, within that organization, leaving, wanting out. J.J. asked for his release, uh, you know, and DeAndre Hopkins – or I'm sorry, DeAndre Hopkins gets traded. Uh, but then you have Deshaun Watson saying he's never going to play in Houston again. So, you know, I, I think from that standpoint, you know, David Culley, your new head coach, he's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, especially with the uh, – you know, the – to me, it was more unforeseen, the unforeseen play of, you know, the Colts and the Titans out there, you know, uh, and the Jags are, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be in a Jags uniform. I think probably likely can see that happening. I'd be kind of shocked if it wasn't the case, but, you know, so now you're going to have some big time names, you know, in the division 
And, you know, clearly, you know, it, it's from perennial <laughs> lead, get winning the division and at least getting into the playoffs and hosting a game to uh, your, I mean, it's, it's, you you're, could be in the last place next year instantly. And yeah. so it's, and we don't have, and then our, and the Dolphins have the draft pick this year. So what do you do? You know, you, you have to kind of try to just tread water until some of this stuff resurfaces and you forget it. You can almost, you almost, it's almost like a statute of limitations on this thing. You have to kind of play it out and, you know, forget about like somehow some, like some NBA teams just got to tread water with some basic, you know, veterans or, you know, on league minimums and things like that until they can trade them for better players. And is that what you do? Do you, can you, you know, can you play some people out and get trades before the trade deadline and, you know, and make, make things happen. And I think that's kind of where the Texans are going to be positioned to do is, you know, they're not, they're not going to win a lot of games. You know, you, you, can you make the best deals and can you have a good future by continuing to, have that statute of limitations passed where you forget about the Deshaun Watson. You move past all that. You forget about DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you forget about J.J. Watt. And, you know, and it's a short memory in the NFL. You know, it's a very short memory in the NFL. Yep. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's going to be one of those things that, you know, what what can you, you know, when you, when you're, when you look at like a, you know, a team like the Patriots, you know, you know, and, uh, I mean, they're, where they, I don't, you know, do you have probably a 50 50? Were they happy that Tom Brady won the Super Bowl? You know, I don't know if it's 50 50. They're probably, but after this year, you know, you have that one honeymoon year where you're like, you know, uh, yeah, it was cool to see Tom Brady do well. And yeah, we still love him. But after I, to me, after this year, if I'm a Patriots fan, I'm done. You know, I'm like, let's get this thing kick started and do it the right way. And, you know, and I, and I moved past Tom Brady. So I, you know, but that the Texans are going to have to do things like that. Just kind of forget about all of that. And with the past, they didn't win anything nor to the extent of the Patriots. So it should be a little bit easier, you know, but it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I, you got makes, make the best trade you can for Deshaun Watson. Now get it, get him out, you know, and uh, you know, start rebuilding. And, and I think that starts, you know, that'll start before the kickoff next year for sure. So should we be concerned at all? You know, I know David Culley, he's been in, you know, a coach in the league a long time, you know, an assistant head coach there in Baltimore, but he was also the, with the wide receiver coach and, you know, outside of Marquise Brown, you know, you had some tight end play there with, with Mark Andrews, but outside of Marquise Brown, the receivers really struggled. They had to bring in Des Bryant to get any production at the receiver position. He was also their passing game coordinator and the Ravens finished dead last in the league in passing. Now, I know that they also were first in the league in rushing, but there really wasn't a ton of balance with that offense. You know, I may be looking too much into this, but should we be concerned at all that Houston essentially is bringing in a guy who was the passing game coordinator of the league's first passing offense? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like it – like I, I was, I was completely surprised by the hire. Um, With Eric I, out there. Yes, 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 absolutely. He and, and when you look at somebody like Eric Bieniemy from, I think uh, Kansas City, right? You know, so it like it's a stupid decision that Houston would not at least uh, serious. I mean, I'm they might have seriously considered him, but it. To me, it, it, like, 
what's the what's the you have a guy that's coached a, a Patrick Mahomes, right? And you have uh and he comes from a good coach and Andy Reid, you know, and runs a high powered offense. Now granted obviously the players have something to do with that, but you still have to put those players in position to make plays. The Texans have a similar they had a similar situation. Like you had Deshaun Watson, who's a mobile quarterback, can sling the rock. You had, you know, Will Fuller, you know, and it, like I'd even say go back in time to DeAndre Hopkins. Like it's it's almost scary to how close to the the Chiefs they could have been, you know. And Brandon Cooks now. Brandon Cooks, yeah. And it you know, and I would, you know, if not, you know, if not him, I mean, you know, you still have a, a bunch of other coaches out there that make way more sense than what what was just like. I like, you know, uh, I like Aaron Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I like things like I like what he did in, in New Orleans. And, you know, to me, you know, I mean, you can, you can even take a run at it, the college ranks even, you know, like where was. I mean, I don't know. Did, did we? Could we had a shot at Urban Meyer. Are we in better position than Jacksonville, or you know, even somebody like uh, Lincoln Riley, or you know, like he. I mean, he's got a gold mine. Would he leave? I don't know. But I mean, you never know. Because to me, the NFL is the cream of the crop if you're a coach, and that's where you aspire to be a head coach. You know, I know some people are happy in their in college and like there are gods there, and you you know, but. Let's be honest, Lincoln Riley. He's in a he's in a tough situation because he's won a lot of great games, but he hasn't won a national championship. But he's still revered as a higher, a, a high coach and like you know a high sought after coach because he he does win a lot of games. But he, you know it's it's how you perform at the biggest. So is his market at a peak now? You know, and does his market go down? And and would he have been able to pull a? Uh, you know, and uh, you know, excuse me, the Arizona coach Kingsbury. Would he have had a, something? You know, is it what would make him any less more appealing than the Kingsbury? You know, and so I, you know, that might have it might have had a run at him, but I, you know, yeah, way more better options than than who the Texans have right now. It's interesting when you look at the the college ranks and you see what Kingsbury. You know, Arizona just out of the playoffs. Um, you know, but you look at, at Matt Rule. And, you know, he rebuilt Temple and then he moves on to Baylor and he rebuilds Baylor and, you know, he has the NFL ties. He was a coach there, you know, before that he had played in the league a little bit. Um, and he's known for rebuilding programs. And he was at Baylor for what, just a couple of years before he takes a job in Carolina. But I like what he's doing so far in Carolina in terms of the moves that he's making. He stays true to his draft board. And I think he's building something there, you know, the culture and everything. So, that's one of the guys, you know, that's one of the things that you always have to take a look at and be mindful of is, is just because they're a good college coach doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a good pro coach and vice versa. I mean, we saw that with Nick Saban. He, he was not a good pro coach, but some of those other guys, you know, I mean, I, I think jury obviously is still going to be out with Matt Rule, you know, right now, but um, I think he's trending in the right direction. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see exactly how all that plays out. But um, you know, my, my draft, basically looking at my draft board, trying to figure out how the Texans would, would potentially make their picks. And I've got their top four picks here. And unfortunately it's not first through fourth. You're looking at a third, two fourths and a fifth, but wanted to run these by you, see what you thought. Um, I'm looking at first pick um, there in, in the third round. It's at the top of round three. 
Um, JJ Watt obviously is gone. Um, I'm looking at, at J2 Fele out of USC. You know, he's a 6'3", 305, you know, could potentially be a, you know, a, a five technique taking over for JJ Watt there. I think you have to address that, that defense um, offensively, you know, you could potentially look at a, a receiver, but I, I just, I think, you know, Tufele to me makes a lot of sense there in the third, you look at the fourth round, you know, there are two picks. I've got him taking an outside linebacker, get some more pass rush help there. Uh, the kid out of uh, uh, UAB, Jordan Smith, he's got some length to him. He's about 6'6", 250, and can bend coming off the edge. Uh, and then, <clears throat> again, they could potentially go receiver, but I think with all those receivers out there, Kenny Galladay and Juju Smith-Schuster, um, guys in free agency, I think they target re- receivers there. Um, and – so I've got their second, fourth round pick, uh, Kylan Hill, the running back out of Mississippi State. And the reason why I liked him to kind of pair with, with David Johnson is this was a guy who rushed for like 1,200 yards as a junior. Then Mike Leach comes in, throws in the air raid offense, and in three games he had 23 catches. So he knows, you know, he's a guy that can catch the football out of the backfield. So you get the quarterback a weapon, you know, you address some of the, the needs on defense first, you get a weapon there at the running back position. Um, they're in the, in the fourth round. What do you think? Where, where do you think that the Texans are going to go? Do you think that that's, that's off base? Do you think they, they look to really try to shore up that offense a little bit more? I think your offensive line outside of the center is pretty much set. Do you, do you tackle a receiver? Do you go after a tight end or do you try to shore up that defense up front? Uh, I think you got to go with a tackle. And, uh, you know, to me there, that's, that's where you start. And, uh, you know, like I said, I agree. I think that's something that uh, could be a, uh, you know, could be available uh, for USC. Obviously, I think, you know, cornerback is a big, uh, you know, a big position that we need to fill because the defense has absolutely been been getting decimated by a lot of uh, a lot of the good quarterbacks. Um you know, when you see the Texans play and give up big leads and things like that. But yeah, there's no question. It's, it's, it goes defense first, cornerback, uh, defensive line. And then, yeah, I think you go wide out. I, running back, I'm not so sure about, you know, uh, at this point, but I would absolutely like to see, um, uh, I don't know, uh, what's his name for Alabama, if he's available, Barmore, Barmore, uh, if that's something where he's, uh, he's in line, but, uh, or if he would be uh, gobbled up by then, but, uh, you know, as far as something like that, you know, uh, we have, uh, some big 12 players, Blacklock, I think, uh, is that his name for, uh, TCU? Yeah, he, he's, he's that pass rusher there in the middle for you. Yep. <clears throat> yep. And I, you know, and, and cause I think we're, I think the quarterback situation will resolve itself via trade or free agency. So, you know, I, I, you know, I, like we have, you know, who's a, we did we get a free agent? We got Tyrod Taylor out there. We got Trubisky out there. Probably, you know, the Jags are, I mean, what's his name for the Jags? Oh my gosh. I keep forgetting Super Bowl champion guy that, you know, Nick for the Foles. Nick Foles still out there. I mean, there's all sorts of people. Dak's still a, a potential, like a dark horse, you know, uh, all sorts of, you know, people that could fill in a hole at quarterback. So, you know, I'm, I, I, I like, I like I like getting the defense going, you know, and let's starting with that, you know, and, and just see what happens because, you know, I, I think, I mean, I do, you, I think you almost have to 
try to get Will Fuller on board. You know, he's been injury prone, but uh, I, I a hundred percent agree that, you know, the defensive tackle position is, is where it's at, but a uh, cornerback would be a close second. Yeah. And I've got, I actually looking at value and I, I think that's probably why I was looking at Jordan Smith, a guy who a lot of people have coming off the board sometime on day two. I, I was thinking early day three, get a pass rusher. Cause I think, you know, uh, Whitney Merciless needs some help. Um, you know, Brendan Scarlett, you know, he's a free agent on the other side, but he wasn't much of a pass rusher. So get another guy to help Whitney Merciless out. And then I was looking in, in, in the fifth round, there's a corner out of Washington, Keith Taylor, uh, he's 6'3", you know, 196 pounds. So he's got good length and, and a guy who I think has some decent ball skills as well. So, you know, that's the thing that's going to be tricky about Houston this year is, is maybe they try to trade up in, into the draft, you know, and, and secure some, uh, you know, a pickup that way. But they've already traded away a lot of their draft capital. So they're going to have to be really smart in the draft with, with who they target, um, you know, and looking for some of the guys, someone who might fall, to them, like, you know, like a Jordan Smith may fall into their lap. Um, you know, Keith Taylor is another guy who could potentially come off the board in round number four. So if he falls to round five, that'd be a perfect corner for them. Um, so that was just kind of how I was playing things out of my head, what that looks like uh, for Houston. But looking at your, your Oklahoma State Cowboys, talk to me about Chuba Hubbard. You know, where, where do you see him coming uh, off the board? Because he's He's one of those guys. Either either you love him or you hate him. Um, as a as a Pokes fan, where where are you? Where do you stand on Chuba Hubbard? Oh my gosh, he's a like I. <laughs> he is to me. He is a uh, first rounder, not uh, or a second round pick. Like it's you can't look at what happened this year to me and know what you're getting with Chuba Hubbard. His heart wasn't in this year. You had the off the field issues, you know, with the Mike Gundy shirt, you know, and uh, the, you know, there's a lot of trust there and, and he was obviously playing not to get hurt and, you know, which sometimes could get you hurt, but, um, and Gundy knew it, you know, Gundy knew that, you know, especially after you lost a few games, you know, when you, you lost that close one to Texas, you know, and, you know, and I think it was overtime and you go and you get blown out by Oklahoma. His, I mean, he, I don't even think he played in the Oklahoma game that if at all. And then you have, or if not, or much, but you know, you have, you know, you think you have a, a guy that is an Olympic speed back and teams would kill for that speed. Like any, like I think you get him out of the backfield, you know, and, and, it, 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 you know, there's not a lot of running backs that can have that type of, it, it's not so much the speed, it's the acceleration that people like. You see Tyreek Hill, if he catches the ball on a, on a wide receiver screen, how quick he accelerates and just blows past everybody. And, you know, or, or you know, even a Alvin Kamara, somebody like that, you know, you can just tell these people are special, you know, when they're catching the ball and, and moving. And like, to me, like, like the Miami Dolphins would be stupid you know, to not have somebody like that in their backfield, uh, you know, and I would even say that the Dallas Cowboys like have a, you know, have a, have a, some sort of uh, opportunity because let's be honest, Zeke Elliott did nothing. And you have, uh, you know, they have the other guy, forgive me, I, I forgot his name, but the, uh, you know, that, that filled in for, you know, and had a good, decent year. Tony Pollard. Uh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Correct. And, but 
when when you look at somebody like the, if the Cowboys teamed up somebody like that, you know, that could catch in space and just accelerate and have, a, you know, you're, you know, in, in those rounds or even, you know, like I mean, if if he fell to the second round, you know, uh, you know, he's a steal at that point to me. Here's this: if he falls to round three, and Houston's on the clock with the third pick in in round number three, do you take him? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you have to like you just you, you, I mean, you have because David Johnson doesn't have those wheels. And so you have you have somebody that like, you know, uh, a screen pass can turn into a touchdown. You have somebody that can, uh, you know, break, uh, you know, you know, take a pitch, a sweep and take it the distance. You know, he has great change of direction. You know, you, you just have to, uh, you know, you you don't you obviously want to be careful with him, but you can't you you got to get him in space, and, and that'll take pressure off the Texans quarterback while they get accustomed to things. That'll take pressure off, uh, you know, overall the wide receiving core because now you have people looking into the backfield, focusing on that. They never had to do that with Houston, ever. You know, I don't even remember the last time the Texans had a running back that was explosive. And so, I mean, if you could think of one, let me know. But I, uh, I, 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 I can't sit here and, and, and even. You know, Arian Foster is the only guy that comes to mind that has a, even a, a close inclination of, you know, uh, of, of, of uh, almost a, a parallel to him. But and even uh, Chuba Hubbard's faster than him. So we got a got a couple of minutes left. I'm going to give you a couple of other names real quick. Uh, Tylen Wallace, your your receiver, your your tackle, Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, I think I think right now, uh, Tylen Wallace. Uh, you're probably looking at, you know, I he's a, to me he's a top five wideout. Height's gonna hurt him. <clears throat> you know, you have uh, he has not played a lot of slot receiving. You know, he's all you all he's always lined up at the outside, and you know, it, in the Big Twelve conference, and that's a, that's a big hurting factor. Even though the Big Twelve was up this year in defense, you know, uh, from what they've used to be, you know, you have it's not as good. Like you know, not, the defense isn't as good as a lot of conferences, and they, you know, the competition's not as good. And you know, and Thailand had a lot of big games versus a lot of uh, lower tier opponents, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know. But he he is like you throw him the ball, he's going to go up and get it. And, you know, and that's the kind of, he's a good possession receiver. Um, he's going to make the tough catches. You know, I, I, like I said, I like him and uh, second, third round, you know, to a team that could, you know, like, again, I, I keep going back, you know, to some of these teams, but, you know, I'm, I, I'm looking at teams like the San Francisco 49ers or the, you know, or, you know, even like, you know, uh, uh, a Dallas Cowboys, you know, I keep going back to them, but you know, I, I when I see teams I like I'm going off the board to, to Washington in round two, um, you know, I, I think Washington has Terry McLaurin. Um, they, they need other receivers and he just ran a sub four, four forty at his comp or at his pro day or the Exos combine, I think, but he ran a sub four, four. So, I mean, vertically, you know, he can stretch the defenses a little bit more for Washington Washington needs another another receiver to, to help out McLaurin. I think that makes some sense there too. Oh, absolutely. I yeah, was scary Terry and somebody like, you know, 
if you have Wallace opposite side of him or, you know, even in the slot to take the pressure off of the, you may make the, you know, not shade so much over to scary Terry. I think you're, I think that's a great pick. Uh, you know, I think Washington would be good. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, uh, what the, is the quarterback position good enough there? Yeah. Jenkins, your, your, your tackle, uh, seems like he's one of the more physical guys in this draft. Yeah. Uh, I, when, when you think, when you think of Oklahoma state football, let's be honest, you do not think of, uh, the offensive line, <laughs> you know, you, you think of, you know, you think of high powered, quick offenses, wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, and the biggest problem with the Oklahoma State Cowboys is the offensive, the offensive line. It's always been the offensive line, and you know, for for somebody like you know, uh, like a, an offensive lineman in a right tackle position, you know, I he did he just he, he nobody he, he was the one side you could trust to to not put pressure on Spencer Sanders, right? So you have, you know, uh, and he, ha- he went up of a lot of, a lot of good positions, you know, and uh, every time, if you watch Oklahoma state, it was the, it was the left tackle, you know, having the problems or the left guard. And the, they always had to switch because we had injuries and, you know, but the right tackle position was always secure. And I think he's a guy you could even move around, you know? Uh, so, you know, for somebody that's six six three twenty, you know, and you're talking about a guy that's a three-star recruit to become, you know, that just goes to show you how good that guy is and how hard he's worked. And so I, I agree. I think that's, you know, any, if you can get somebody that's six six three twenty, mobile, used to used to playing and spread out offenses and could block and could solo block people, you know, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I could see him. Like I said, I I could see him going, you know, easily before round five. So. I actually have him, you know, I, I, I have him coming off the board in, in round one and it may be a little bit too rich right now, but I'm looking, I was trying to figure out the best, you know, I'm looking at the bills they need to protect their investment. They need to protect Josh Allen. I'm looking at Josh Allen and they've got, you know, Daryl, Daryl Williams, a right tackle. He's going to, he's a free agent. He may not be back. They're going to need a right tackle. And, you know, they're also eyeing a couple of linebackers, but, you know, my opinion, you get a guy who's physical for the run game, a guy that's going to protect Josh Allen, a guy who's who's also versatile. To me, why not get him? You know, if you can in, in round number one, this is a draft that's so deep on 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 uh, offensive line help as well for for a change that you know it, it makes some sense. He may come off the board later than that, but you know, for me, he's one of those guys. He's one of the more physical players in in this draft up front. Um, so that was kind of where I have him going. Um, yeah, the problem with that is you have you have probably a two you have two offensive linemen in the Big Twelve that are better than him. You have the entire you know Alabama the offensive linemen. You have Clemson offensive linemen. You have USC's offensive linemen. I think Tucker, and you know you also have a, a lot of the Big Ten you know who's built an offensive line. Then you have Sewell in Oregon, right? Uh, so you have a you have a plethora of players that play high end high out competition, you know. Uh, it, it's hard for me to think that they would take a waiver on an Oklahoma State lineman just just because there's so many other big possibilities. I I, I you know I think I would take I like I said I have him before the fifth round, 
but you know, I, and there might be it might be a heavy offensive line draft, but I I mean I think you know when you look at all those you, you know when you see you know he does he's not as showcased as much as these Alabama, Clemens offensive linemen, Oklahoma offensive linemen, Oregon offensive linemen, and it's going to be, you know, the Big Ten's always big an offensive line mill. So I, you know, I, I like, you know, I like him, and I, I, and he's done great. But I, I agree, it's tough to, you know, I would love to see that, but uh, to me, that's a little far off. But you know, just because of the uh, the amount of competition he has in, in the draft. Let me ask you de- defensively. Um... Rodarius Williams, you know, he's Greedy Williams' brother. Um, you know, it seem it seems like he's been there at, at Oklahoma State for forever now. But to me, he was one of those corners that could lock down one side and basically just take away, you know, take away that that option um, for for opposing quarterbacks. What, what are your thoughts on on Williams? I think he's one of the one of the under more underrated corners that nobody's talking about. When he and AJ Green play, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's defense, Oklahoma State's defense did a 180 for the better part of last year, and that had that was a hundred percent Rodarius Williams. Like he with him and Malcolm Rodriguez in there making plays, you know, and making tackles. It wasn't so much that the, you know, he had he had great. He had a lot of pass breakups, but what what made him great is the fact that he's a guy that when his receiver caught the ball, he's immediately tackled, or he breaks the pass up. But that's something that Oklahoma State struggles with was tackling. You know, you would you would have you that's the big that's Big Twelve football. You have to play the position, catching and and tackle them. And like, you know, and you see like a lot of a lot of plays where and especially with Oklahoma State, you know, they'd catch the ball and they'd, they'd turn a three yard gain into a 40 yard gain. It's insane. But like this year, the Oklahoma State Cowboys uh, tackled. And the, and if, if you watch a lot of their games, especially even a Texas game, you know, even they lost that game, you know, uh, they made Texas punt a lot. And it was because the defense and him, they just shut down. You know, and didn't have, didn't let you know Sam Eckler have anybody to throw to, and you know, and he's he's able to 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 make those plays. He's abs, you know, like when you're when you're talking about uh, a defense that shed, I think, let's see, shedded about a touchdown off of their allowed points per game. That's incredible, you know, yeah. and that has to do with him and the secondary. So I, 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 I think you know if anybody. It, if if a cornerback's able to make that big of a difference, you know, and he start all three games or all of the all thirteen games, excuse me, and remain healthy, get tackles for loss, rush the quarterback off the edge. You you got a guy. I mean that in the Big Twelve, then that's the premier conference for secondaries to stop passes. You have great quarterbacks all the way around, most for the most of the time. You know they're not and they're not run heavy. Where, where do you think he comes off the board? I mean, I, 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 to me, I, I don't see him falling anywhere after round three. Personally, yeah, I've, I've I, him, I just don't. I've got him late round two. Um, I, I, I think the Packers 
could go with a corner in round one, but I think if they wait until round two, you know, they Kenny King is is gone. Um, they need a corner with Jair Alexander there in Green Bay, and I, I think he'd be a nice fit. You put think about that a cornerback duo of Jair Alexander and Rodarius Williams. To me, that that's that's what you need in uh, you know in Green Bay to really make that next leap. If you want to beat the Tom Brady's, you know, I mean, Drew Brees may very well retire, but even the Russell Wilson's, things like that, if they really want to take that game, take take them back to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to have some really nice secondary play. And if you get Alexander and Rodarius Williams out on an island on either side, I mean, I that to me just feels like the right fit. Yeah, the only thing, you know, worry about with him is the, uh, <clears throat> you know, but I, I kind of look at this two different ways is the lack of interceptions. But what what you see what you see is maybe they're not throwing his way either. So you know you have to kind of look at that, you know. But a lot of the top, if you look at the stats and a lot of the top uh, cornerbacks, they don't have a lot of interceptions because nobody's throwing it that way. They just because blanket coverage. Absolutely, yeah. They're not. They're not. They're 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 staying with their guy. They're not. The quarterbacks know because they scout. Obviously, they're not. They know where it's not a it's not a wise idea to throw the ball. And he's one of those top ten guys. So I I think it's you know, it, but to me he's the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. There's no question about it. You know, and he's up there with, yeah, he's up there with, um, you know, any uh like I I mean I'm. I just one guy, uh, obviously, Sertain comes to mind. You know, to me, he's up there with them. And, you know, I know he's not going to be as picked as high as him. But, you know, but like what people don't understand is like the uh, I, the SEC is not as pass heavy as the Big 12. And the SEC, you know, they're focusing on the run and, you know, and and they have a lot of big offensive linemen. And you, you have you have some you have good NFL talent around, but. You're you're talking about a conference that's getting thrown. It's a throw to consistently. You know, it's day in and day out. You're week in and week out. You're going to see 40, 50 passes. You know. Well, I, I feel good talking to you know talking to someone who knows a lot about the the, the Texans and, and Oklahoma State. That my evaluations on the most part, you know, were were pretty pretty darn close to to you know we we agreed on, on most. Most of the topics. So, you know, I feel pretty good about my evaluation there. Um, but before we wrap things up, is there anything else with regard to the to the draft that uh, you've got your eye on or any guys that either are under the radar or maybe some guys that may be a little overrated for, for your liking before we, before we sign off? Yeah, I, I, I really, uh, you know, the one thing I really like is um, – I would really like to see somebody take a flyer on a Sam Ellinger um, and give that guy a shot. You know, I, people, he's one of those guys to me and I'm talking to new Orleans saints here. He's one of those guys that he's just a winner. Like, you know, and, and he, I, he's only going to get better. Like, and I, and I know that, and he's mobile enough to, to extend plays. And I, when I see players like that, you know, obviously, you know, when you look at like, he's like a Baker Mayfield or a Kyler Murray coming from the big 12, or even, you know, a Spencer Rattler as a freshman now, you know, is he, is he going to be on that elite level? No, you know, it, but like I, I would, uh, you know, with 
somebody like an NFL quarterback coach working with that guy and a, you know, uh, a few, a few years holding the clipboard and, and just, you know, you never know. And like, that's why I think he's, he's not going to be expensive. The saints have no money at all. I think they're dead last in cap. Like they're just, they have, they're just toast. You have Jameis Winston, you know, never know what's going to happen with that guy. And I, I would love to see him out there. He's almost, he almost kind of reminds me never in the same category, but he almost kind of reminds me of a Drew Brees type of quarterback, you know, just with, you know, a lot of work to do. You know, I, I would like to see him, you know, as a big 12 guy, you know, I know I like him. I like him in the NFL better than I like uh, the Iowa state quarterback. Purdy. I really do. Purdy. And I, I've, I've seen them both a lot. And, you know, it's, so to me, it's one of those, one of those things that, you know, just why, I mean, why not, you know, like you're, what else, what else you got to do if you're new Orleans and if you can't get, you can't afford anybody, you know, can you even name the Saints backup now? Taysom Hill. Yeah. But is, is he a day in a day out starter? No, he's not. Here's the thing that, I, that I'm looking at with Ellinger, because I think he does need a lot of work as a passer. I mean, look at that OU game, you know, uh, the Red River you know, rivalry, the, the, the shootout there. And in overtime, you know, that throw the, that ultimately cost him the game. I mean, that was that was an ugly throw over through his receiver. And that's that's the thing that he needs to cut down on. And I think that's that's the part that. You know, like you said, the team will have to take a flyer on him late or potentially even as an undrafted free agent. But what the thing that I really like about him, because I, you know, I've seen Blake Bell come to the league and become a tight end. What I can see with Sam, with Sam Ellinger, at least starting out, you can still develop him as a quarterback, but why can't he be another version of, of Taysom Hill? Because he is such a, you know, he's a physical guy. He loves contact. He's 230 pounds. I think he's caught nine passes in his career for, for Texas you could have him either as a receiver, as a you know, tight end, whatever you want to want him to do. Bring him in there, give him a package, and and be one of those guys like that. I mean, obviously, the, the, you know, Jalen Hurts, what he was able to do. And I'm not saying that Sam Ellinger is necessarily on the same caliber of, of Jalen Hurts, but Jalen was able to come in and really kind of assert himself as a quarterback. Maybe Ellinger is able to do that, but if he does show that, hey, I, he needs some work. I still think he's a good enough athlete to get him out on the field. Let him be a Taysom Hill. I don't know. I mean, that's, that, you know, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. A hundred percent. Like if, yeah. And interchange him even, you know, I, like you have, I have, if, if he's in round seven and the saints have a pick in round seven and they haven't picked a quarterback yet, you know, I, to me, it's a no brainer. I would just, I would take a, I would take a, give him a shot. You know, like he's the ultimate long shot. You know, the guy is going to do everything right. And, you know, he's going to. And to me, it, it, like you're you have all the you have a proven guy that's played big time games. Yeah. Like, you know, the Red River Red River rivalry is a that's an elite game. There's a lot of factors that go into that game. You know, he made some good plays in that game. But, uh, you know, and, and it's one of those games. I believe that anything just anything can happen at any random time. But, like, you know, he's brought teams back. He brought uh, from the brink of nothing in those games and come all the way back and almost won the damn thing. You know, so it's like, 
you know, and if you see him and like he had a, when he played Georgia, you know, I don't know if Georgia's mind heart was in that bowl game or whatever, but I mean, how bad would they torched him? He had a, and, it, and it was, you know, so it was a, uh, it's one of those guys that, you know, I think if he's in, if he's in a late day three guy, you know, you know, I, I to me, I would, I would like to see a team give him a shot. I would love to follow that and see how that developed. All right. So I, I think we're about, about out of time, but I know that uh, people can follow you on, on Twitter and, and your Twitch handle. Uh, is it at Kuki Kukabara? Yep, Kuki Kukabara at Twitch and Twitter. And uh, like I said, we do a lot of uh, kind of fun stuff, you know, with uh, our simulation leagues. We simulate college football. We simulate Madden. We simulate boxing. We do all sorts of fun stuff for our followers and subscribers. You know, um, we're now, you know, we're building the channel. We're now almost close to 1,500 followers. So we're, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. And then obviously we have our, Sim SSL simulation league that basically is kind of what I talked about, you know, and a, a lot of people like doing that, especially during the COVID time, like getting their guy on the field and watching what he does. So, uh, or in the ring for that matter. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a good time. So it's a, you know, we look forward to doing that every week. Right on. So yeah, if we haven't, haven't already gotten to check it out, definitely check that out again at cookie Kookaburra. That, that's cookie with the K and Kookaburra with the K uh, make sure you check that out. Brett Peters, Brett, this was fun. We'll have to do this again as we get, get closer to the draft. See what, I mean, obviously we have free agency. We'll have to see what Houston does and, uh, you know, we'll have to talk about that again. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, the big 12 versus the big 10 a little bit too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll get the PAC 12 in there too. So <laughs> <laughs> can't leave the PAC 12 out either. <laughs> but I appreciate your time. Take care, man. Thank you. I want to thank Brett Peters for taking the time to speak with me regarding the Oklahoma State Cowboys and his Houston Texans. Good to see that I'm on the same page with him, especially when it comes to the excitement around Tylen Wallace and Rodarius Williams. Again, I think those are two of the more underrated prospects in this draft. Tylen Wallace should be a second round pick especially after running that sub 4 440, along with his ability to go up and attack the football in the air, fight through contact, play bigger than his size. And then Rodarius Williams, I think, is one of the better lockdown corners that we have in this draft. Uh, really excited about uh, their pro their, the prospects for both of them at the next level. I think both are second-round picks. Sounds like we disagree a little bit with Tevin Jenkins and his draft stock. I think Tevin Jenkins is a first-rounder. I think this is a guy, despite the fact that you have guys from other more heralded programs. Tevin Jenkins, look, he's physical for a reason. He's He can play both, both sides, both the left and right tackle. Has some pretty good agility and pass protection as well. Uh, this is a guy, to me, I think is just an ascending prospect who's going to continue to get better and better. And then with Houston, sounds like for the most part we're in agreement. The defense needs to be addressed. A lot of those games where Houston lost late, you know, leads late, You've got to be able to address, you know, not only the front seven, but also the secondary. Three out of my four picks are really on the defense. I honestly believe that Kylan Hill is going to be a nice complimentary back to David Johnson. A three down back, a guy that can catch the football out of the backfield, spell Johnson when need be. And look, you know, David Johnson has that injury concern. So there's a good chance you could potentially see, you know, David Johnson, if he's down for any length of period of time, 
that, that Kylan Hill will be able to, to shoulder that load because he's proven to be uh, the bell cow there for Mississippi State uh, over his four years there with the Bulldogs. So once again, thank you, Brett. And we're going to continue this uh, from a fan's perspective segment. And uh, so in, in the next week or so, expect to get another installment of, of this, this, uh, this episode. And uh, you know, next episode, I'll actually be taking a look at the running back position. So there are other running backs besides just Najee Harris and just Travis Etienne. You know, obviously you've got Javante Williams, you've got Michael Carter, but look, there are guys late day two and day three who can make an impact and we're going to sit down, we're going to take a look at those guys and then we'll break everything down. So stay tuned for episode 23. I'll have that released here in the next couple of days. So until then, enjoy your week, everyone. This has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone, and until next time, I am out of here.